not just a belief of mine, it's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, discovering your core and also your gift is your niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to When Passion Meets Profit. I'm Patricia Noldrain, your host for this podcast, and our title for this episode is Sometimes You Have to Just Listen to You. Now, I'll explain what that means, but I have somebody on today that I am so excited for you to meet because I personally know him, I personally love him, and respect him. His name is Nathan Mulroy. And do you know, Nathan and I worked together for, I believe, six years side by side. He was everything to my business. He wrote, he helped me write my books. He did the book covers. He did graphics for all my workshops. He was my director, my manager, my producer. He was everything. And when he went to college, I was not happy. I did not want him to go to college. I wanted him to live with me for the rest of my life, but he didn't. (laughs) But before he comes on and tells you his absolutely phenomenal story. You're going to love it. I wanted to kind of give you a background and maybe even some examples too, for sure, of what I really mean by sometimes you have to just listen to you. So here's my first example. I'm listening about a story about this man and he is a minister and he's a minister of a very thriving, wonderful church. People loved him. But guess what? He didn't love it. He was not feeling fulfilled. He was not feeling like he was being fed anything. But the parishioners were. They were really loving every single Sunday that they got to be with him. He finally announced, I'm quitting. They didn't like that. They were very upset that this guy was quitting because this was his purpose. His calling was to take care of them. And he said, I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't fulfilling me. So he said, I guess what, people? I didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought, well, maybe I'll go to barber school. That's what I'll do because then I have a profession. Well, his wife said to him one day, why don't you try out for the program The Voice? He wasn't sure what The Voice was, so he watched one of them and he said, "I no, that's not good. She said, no, I think you have a good enough voice to do that. So he signed up. He arrived at the very first audition and he said, I wanted to kill my wife when I was there because here are all these talented, talented people what am I doing here? I mean, I'm not that good. I can promise you that. Well, guess what? He was the winner of The Voice. And now he doesn't have to worry about going to barber school. He's inspiring thousands and thousands of others through his gospel music. His voice is fabulous. Well, it has to be. To win The Voice, you have to be pretty fabulous. His name, Todd Tilgman. I had never heard of him 
but he, I believe he won 2019. I'm not sure. Look it up and you can find out. But that's one example of, for heaven's sake, people, this is your life. It's the only life you're going to get. Well, my other example is actually me. I owned an executive recruiting firm. Well, I owned four of them in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was very structured, eight to five. I built my whole life around my business, you know, just the opposite of what I do today. And I'll, by 9-11, when all that happened, and I knew we were going to have to close that one, I just decided I'm not going back in those walls again. I remember my husband when I told him, he's like, you're what? Because it's a very lucrative business model. I just couldn't do it anymore. I didn't want to do it that, like that. But here's the problem. I didn't know what I was going to do. Hi, ah, you've heard that story before. Huh? I bet you felt it one time. So I put the question on the whiteboard. And here's what it is. Now, maybe you, it'll help you, some of you that are listening. What can I do from anywhere in the world helping people I choose to help, but still making the money I deserve? That was a big question for me. Every day I'd go in for a couple of months. I mean, I'm telling you, I didn't know what to do. I'd put up speaker because I'm, I'm a speaker. And I thought, no, that means I have to travel all the time. I didn't want to do that. Then I'd put up author. You know, I've authored 14 books now. And, and no, what will I do? Sit in Barnes and Noble and watch that nobody shows up and I can't sign for anybody? No, I didn't want to do that. And then I had to put up other things like, well, what really lights you up? What is something that you love to talk about? And all of a sudden, I realized I want to be a business mentor. Well, guess what? That was 18 years ago, and I have mentored hundreds of business owners. But guess what? I'm changing it again because I'm now doing podcasting and I'm creating courses, do-it-yourself courses. I'm blogging for the first time. I want to now reach out to thousands of people to help them find their passion and their purpose. So guess what? You can change. I promise you it's okay because this is the only life we're going to get. The days of a person, you know, they have to stick it out. The days of a person staying in a job for 50 years and then retiring and being able to do exactly what they want to do now. Hey, hey, that's, that's my dad. He stayed at the post office for 50 years. He retired. He got to do what he wanted to do for a few years and then he died. Don't do that if you don't want to live your life like that. And one of the things I'm so thrilled about is these new generations, the millennials, the Gen Zs, all these people coming up, they're changing that. And thankfully, they're changing that. I deal with people all day long that say, you know, Patricia, I graduated. <laughs> I did everything I was supposed to. And guess what? I don't know what to do. I feel like a flake. I feel like I'm doing the whole thing wrong. My parents are going to be so disappointed. Well, I think they are disappointed. Well, guess what today is? It's your lucky day because I am going to give you permission to explore, to dabble, to take classes in things that interest you. But I promise you, your passion will not fall in your lap. You do have to really take some action to figure out what fulfills you, what lights you up. And just like my story and like Todd's story, and wait till you hear Nathan's because Nathan is the epitome of really listening to yourself, to your intuition. Call it your heart, call it whatever you want to call it, but you have to listen to you. Welcome, Nathan Mulroy. Great introduction. Hi. It was quite lengthy. 
I usually don't yeah, go on like that. But I'm passionate about this subject, Nathan, and I'm passionate about you and your life, what you're doing, because you're this genius boy in my mind. And one of the things that I, I always like to start out with, Nathan, is tell us a story about you as a younger you, maybe that depicts your personality today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I can. A few things come to mind, but one specifically is um, when I was 16, I did Boy State, which is an American Legion sponsored program. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the oldest of three kids. My parents had never sent anybody to college, so they were really adamant about extracurricular activity, um, involvement, things like that for college resumes. And my school pressured us into those things too. So American Legion was something that a lot of people said I should do. And it was a program where 150 boys from the entire state would apply to this program and be elected and and they would go to the capital city and stay for a week or two and do this mock government program. And it was definitely intimidating to walk into this room of 150 really scrappy guys from Idaho Mm -hmm. and, and try to make friends with these guys. But for whatever reason, I decided that I should probably run for the for government (laughs) so (laughs) it was like day two and i decided that i would get up on the stage and speak in front of all these guys um and i remember it being really like joyous and i did they didn't put me on the ballot but i would have won but there was there was a reason i wasn't on the ballot it was some sort of glitch but at that looking back on that i can't believe that i had the courage (laughs) to Mm. get up and Mm -hmm. talk in front of all these all these guys there are other times that i've seen that in me too where I did stand-up comedy once, just once, or or I did a musical when I was a lot younger. Things like that that I could see at times in my life where I've kind of taken these risks and I don't really know why, um, mm-hmm. but I'm I I kind of am compelled to, mm-hmm. and that that reminds me a lot of um, of what what you're saying. Well, or you it, know, it reminds me of the introduction. I'm very outgoing. I'm very non-introverted. Uh, and I would never do what you just did. Uh, I, I can't even imagine being a stand-up comedian. That would just, I'd kill myself before I do that. But I wonder <laughs> where that courage comes from, because that those were really courageous things. I can't even imagine running for government when I go off and don't even know one soul in the room. So what, what do you yeah, think that you courage know, it's- it's not even like I had tact or anything. I mean, you know, I'm not, a, I can't sing. I'm not very, that funny <laughs> and I didn't win treasurer, <laughs> but it. All, I don't know. All of these things where I was kind of able to brush off and I, I was happy that I had tried them. Um, I think there's always been a sense of if I don't try, I'll regret it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've always kind of had that, that nagging feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, from that point, it's a matter of trying to, rationalize or will myself into doing something that I, I might not want to do. I'm sure I don't think I wanted to run for local government. I don't think I really <laughs> wanted the responsibility. And the Lord probably knew that because I didn't win. Well, I'll um, tell you, you just said something magical. And I want people to hear that when you are compelled to do something like Nathan just said, do it because that is your intuition. That's your, and that's like your guides telling you, just go do that. And so I love Mm -hmm. that, Nathan, that you said, if I don't try, I might regret it. And I I think that's been your whole life. I remember going to a a coffee shop one time uh, 
And there you are playing the piano. And I didn't know you could play the piano. I'm like, who is this person? Do you remember oh, that's that? another example. Mm-hmm. That, yes, that's another example where I went to an arts high school with a really robust jazz program. And the jazz kids, as we <laughs> call them, performed every week at this local coffee shop. And it was a really cool hangout. And it was always fun to be there as part of the audience and part of the scene. But I always wanted to perform, even though I wasn't a musician. And I thought, before I graduate, I got to perform. <laughs> so... <laughs> I found a way to kind of make it happen, you know, and I don't, <laughs> I don't think awesome. about it very often, but at the time it was really fulfilling. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh about it because I, I'm telling you, most of the listeners are going, I could never do that. I would never do that. But once again, I'm going back to what Nathan said. If you feel compelled to do something, do it. And so Nathan, you know, the title of this, I think is, is strange because who in the world doesn't listen to themselves, but I've discovered a lot of people don't. And so what do you what do you mean by that title? Sometimes you have to just listen to you. Listen to you. Um, well, I, I think you really nailed it a few, maybe a minute ago when you said it's your intuition and listening to your guides. I think mm-hmm. it's when there are some alarm bells going off in your head. Maybe you feel it in your chest. Maybe it's just kind of a nagging feeling, but it's, it's, it's something that keeps you withdrawn from 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 your your present environment like a job for example something that keeps you from that that keeps you distracted it's distracting you can't focus because there's something telling you Mm -hmm. to look somewhere else it's almost like trying to read while there's a firework show you know coming on next to you Um, (laughs) you you, you've got to look at it and and i think i first felt it when i finished college and started working i know and this is the part This is what I want you to hear, people, is Nathan's story, because you heard me at the very beginning say that I deal with people on a daily basis that say, Patricia, I seriously don't know what to do. My degree is in art or my degree is in physical science, whatever it's in. And I don't know what to do. I did everything I thought I was supposed to. So, Nathan, you have the floor. Well, I went to school in Southern California. I'm originally from Idaho. And I went to school for art and film. I initially started in the uh, in the art school because I had been a painter growing up. I was kind of pivoting to graphic design. I did a lot of work for Patricia in graphic design, um, and very quickly I understood, oh, this art program is not <laughs> is not up to par, and so that would be an example of that nagging feeling. So I left and I went to the film school, worked pretty hard there, and when I graduated, there there had been a lot of pressure from the faculty to just find a job in the industry. Not really to find a creative outlet, not really to find anything that had to do with 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 you and what you w- where your genius lies in film or anything, but just to find a job in the business ASAP. And so all the kids were leaping into those jobs and posting them on Facebook, like so and so just got a new job at Paramount, or so and so just started. You know, it was kind of a flex. It was people kind of sh- like kind of telegraphing that they they had made the leap, and mm-hmm. it was scary those couple months after you know, moving to LA and working at restaurants and thinking how am I, I, I've got to get in there no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally I did. And in fact, it wasn't just a job at Paramount. <laughs> it was a job working for one of the biggest directors in our time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really awesome and aw- like awe-inspiring and, and just staggering. I couldn't believe that I, you know, that three months earlier I had been at a restaurant. And I was on this set in Southern California and working on a soundstage. It was an unusual kind of film. 
no sets, no costumes, nothing like that. It was all done via motion capture. So, you know, it's like the filmmaking of tomorrow, right? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me as a painter, someone that had studied Rembrandt, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. coming into this and working with a bunch of gamers and animators um, at a computer screen. So for the first couple months, it was, I mean, it was unbelievable. And I felt that I had really made, I, I felt like I was strapped in and, and going down the path of my life, you know, and there was no need for me to ever, like I was just on autopilot from then on. But very soon, and on top, also on top of that, everybody else cheered too. My family, my friends, people were very, very impressed. Mm-hmm. And there was an air of prestige there. Like we were all very lucky to be here. Um, and I, I was lucky to be there. But about three months in, I started noticing that other kids from my school that hadn't really made a, a, a leap from the restaurant scene, just for instance, to the film industry, they were working, you know, these, these jobs that weren't, you know, ideal, but they had time to be creating on the side. I saw that they were still making short films or still doing other work. And it first occurred to me that I have no time to do that because I was working, I kid you not, 70 hours a week, Hmm. um, 12 hour days at a minimum. And it was uh, probably, I can count on one hand, the days that we did get out at 12 hours. Most of the time it was 13 or more, 13 and a half was typical. That's a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and at first I was totally up for the challenge. I, I always like to challenge my body and my mind. So I was up for it. But a few months in, I realized, oh no, there's something very missing here. And, and then I started to look around and kind of, it was kind of like seeing Vegas in the daylight. <laughs> you know, I started <laughs> to realize, like, oh, in fact, this is not so nice. I, yeah, there, there might be food all day and coffee all day, but I don't really have any friends here. I kind of feel like I'm trapped in like an office for 70 hours a week. Everybody, it's kind of like office humor, you know, like water cooler talk um, and the drone of the computer screen and the repetitious activity. And yes, there were movie stars around, but I mean, three months in, they, you know, we know each other's names. Okay. But, you know, we don't get personal. And it just started to become less and less fun. And on, I, I remember a friend asked me, how are you on Sundays? And I said, I don't want to go. I don't mm-hmm. want, on Sundays, I, I, I'm dread, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it only got worse. Now, five months in, six months in, seven months in, it's just, it's, it's getting more and more distracting. There's something going on that's pulling me away from this work. I'm starting not to care. And I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel ashamed, really, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I had gone to film school. I mean, I, 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 other, there were other people that would have would have killed to be in my position, um, but kind of by happenstance, I ended up there, and I didn't know what to do. I thought there was something wrong with me for not being grateful, for not being, you know, overjoyed, for not every day being better than the last, right? Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it's kind of a naive expectation of yourself. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yes. It, yes. It's kind of a naive way to, to think about your life is that you'll make one decision. And from that point forward, you'll never have to address that again. Mm-hmm. I'll never again have to address my work environment, my work situation, nothing, simply because I'm, I'm being paid, you know, X amount of dollars <laughs> or because there's free food 
or because of all these other perks, right? Mm -hmm. All jobs have perks. This one just happened to have, you know, real good ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, about nine months in, I, I, I decided I, I'm leaving. And it was, it was quite a decision, but I did need somebody to give me permission. My dad finally said, Nathan, you can quit this job if you want. And I think I really needed to hear that because I wasn't hearing it from anybody else and certainly not myself. And my mm -hmm. mind was trying to will me into staying or rationalize why I should stay or why leaving was, was just uh, absurd um, or the opposite of what I should do. <laughs> did I want to go back to restaurants? No. But I, I needed something. I didn't know what it was. I needed time or I, I needed, I needed to, 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 I was a painter and I, 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 on the weekends I was sleeping all weekend, you know, after the 70 hour week, I couldn't get into a creative space. There was something, I was very unhappy. I was the un, most unhappy I've ever been. Um, and finally I was able to make, make a transition into work building props so it wasn't entirely entirely divorced in the film industry in fact i had some experience in school working in wood working in shops building props sets flats and things to the theater department and i thought that that might be closer to what i wanted to do so i found work at a fabrication studio that you know did everything they welded they built animatronics they built um uh flats for movies they they like tricked out cars and stuff it was cool so I found work there and yes, it was, it was lower pay. Um, but I was prepared. Mm -hmm. I was right. I had to try because mm -hmm. I saw that there was nothing changing. Um, let me, let me stop you there. Nathan, uh, I really want to go back to the day that you really made the decision to quit and walk away. And by the way, can we not tell everybody where you were working? I don't, I don't see know. why not. I was, okay. well, I was working for James Cameron. Yeah, um, yeah. on the Avatar sequels, which <laughs> you may have heard about. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> um, may have. Or, or maybe not, honestly, because the first Avatar came out in 2009, if you can believe it. So oh, sometimes wow. there are people that are very aware there are sequels being made, and there are people saying, I haven't thought about that movie in years. Yeah, but that's wherever you might be, there are sequels being made. Well, your dad was very wise, I will say that. And uh, you all see now why I'm saying he's working at 20th Century Fox for James Cameron. Is that his name, James Cameron? James Cameron, yeah. James Cameron on Avatar. And so it doesn't get any bigger than that. How do you walk away from that? And just like he said, why why am I not grateful? What am, what's wrong with me? Something's so wrong. I'm telling you people, this is all I hear all day long. And it, it, it doesn't reach the 20th Century Fox thing, but that makes it even more difficult for people like Nathan. But that day, Nathan, that you decided, your dad said, you know, you can leave that, Nathan. How, what, did it feel like the weight of the world lifted from you when you finally decided? I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career. And also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step -step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called your gift is your niche. 
because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E. And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I, I, don't even, I don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into an, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life. That's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E. And if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. It just felt like somebody understood or, or mm. didn't, didn't care because other times I had tried to talk about this with people. It, it was an argument. Mm. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it felt like an argument. It felt like people, it felt like people kind of just ignoring what I was saying and, and saying, you should stick it out. Even people on the set mm -hmm. too, that oh, I kind yeah. of felt I could say, even though everybody was you know miserable. See, even still I have an impulse to try to explain and rationalize to, to yeah. outsiders why. It was because I was used to people looking at me like I was nuts. <laughs> well, I, what Nathan is is telling us is he, what he would do. Now, this is a very creative soul that we're talking with, and and a you know really almost this what I consider a genius level. When so, you say to somebody, "Go paint that," and they go paint it and come back, it's like what? But when you do have that creativity within you, here's what Nathan was doing every day. He would go to the studio and he would mic up Sigourney Weaver or whomever the movie stars are. <laughs> and then he would stand there and just stare until he yeah. got to have free lunch. And then he'd stand mm -hmm. there again some more after he mic'd somebody else up. That's a creative person that's not creating. And I, I definitely said to Nathan, I know that I could not do that. I would try. And I would want the money and I would really want to be around all those prestigious people. But I, I, I know I couldn't do that. And I bet there's people out there that are hating us right now, Nathan, saying, you big jerks. I mean, what's wrong with you? That's a wonderful job. Yeah, it is. And a lot of people stick it out just like you say. Remember my story at the beginning. I said the people that stuck it out years ago spent 50 years with a company giving their, their everything. And then they got to retire and do what they wanted. It, that, that's kind of dead now. And it's dead because I think we care too much about ourselves. I mean, I, I feel that anyway, Nathan, with what you're saying. And so now tell tell the rest of the story. You, you went into production. And once again, you're still in that film industry. So you probably felt like I have to stay in this, for heaven's sake. It's my degree. Yes. And I do want to mention that. I, I It's not that I... That I that, that, that this quitting this job was a rash decision at all. Not only did I ruminate on it forever, but I did try. I did try to think far ahead. I tried to see the future. What what could what would happen if I stayed here for two years, for five years? Because these sequels are still being made. They're still the people that I left are still in those same chairs. 
because oh, I still wow. keep in touch with some of them and they're still there. And this was, mm-hmm. in, was in this was in 2017. So it's been a long time. And I saw yeah. what was coming down the pipeline. I even was able to pivot and get into the art department there because I thought if there's anywhere here, I'll be happy. It'll be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of over the, the I'm kind of over the starstruck feeling. Maybe mm-hmm. I can go into another part of a studio and work there. And that was even worse. <laughs> that was even yeah. worse. Yeah. To the point where after one day I said, no, <laughs> this yeah. isn't happening. So that was that was an important part of this, of these, this decision is what would this bring me? If I was here for five years, where would I get? And I started to realize I could work here for two, five, ten years trying to trying to get to the point where my friends who are work at restaurants are at now. I'm trying to work at this top tier level, working 70 hours a week, 70 hours a week for years maybe, until finally I might get the chance to direct something. Maybe by the time someone even asks me, hey, I heard you direct, show me your stuff. I'm showing them college work from a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, people that are working at restaurants still are making movies every month. Do you know what I, do, do oh, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yes, uh-huh. So it just, it, it, it was making less and less sense to me. And so I found work that was gonna, that I, was going to feel, I think, more productive at, have a better sense of accomplishment, be working with a small team, be a little more committed to something. Um, so I left this job to do that. And honestly, the production was not happy with me. Mm-hmm. They were they were very peeved because they had the same feeling, a, a sort of, a, a, they were kind of like shocked and appalled. That, that I would do that. I remember now actually someone said, you're giving up all of this. And I remember thinking like, you know, I like history. I like archeology, span but I don't think I'd be a very good archeologist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be good in that field. I am, I'm interested in politics, but I don't think I want to work for the white house. I don't mm-hmm. think I have the chops for that. You know, maybe, maybe I like film, but I'm not meant to work at this level, at this tier. Um, and so when I left, and what a good sign was, is that when I left, it was my last day and I was on the soundstage and one of the actors knew it was my last day. And in between takes, he said, so it's your last day, huh? And Jim Cameron was right there. And I didn't talk to him ever. Nobody talked to him. Um, and he said, you're leaving? And I said, yeah, I'm gonna go work building props and i knew that he actually had his start in that field oh. before he was directing he was building props and working in shops and things like that and he said oh that's awesome oh good luck um <laughs> just be careful of the you know of the of the resin of the fumes of working in a shop don't let anybody talk you out of safety and he was very encouraging um in front of the whole crew mm, that's great and that was a nice sign that was a nice mm-hmm. send-off Mm-hmm. For someone to say, like, go forth, you know? Okay, so now here we have this this time of separation from the 20th Century Fox lot. And, and we have James Cameron wishing you well, which is mm-hmm. just wonderful. Because obviously he's he sees more about everything than we do in that world. I don't know that world at all. But one thing that I'm hearing is... Uh, you did know where to go this time, didn't you? You'd had this production kind of thing ready. Like me, you know, leaving my company that I owned 
I mean, I had no clue what I was doing. I just jumped off the building and wondered, I wonder what I should do now. And thankfully, I did have a husband that's making money so that I had the opportunity to think about what I wanted to do at that time. Uh, how long did you have off before you started with the production company? But, uh, the prop making company afterwards? Oh, the prop. prop yeah. It was, um, I think it was 10 days. I went home for a period. Okay. Um, I went home briefly. Um, and yeah, it was nice to know where I was going. I didn't want to quit. I, I didn't really have that kind of, uh, the, the, I don't know, that didn't seem appropriate at the time. Maybe another mm -hmm. time, sure. But I felt like I should probably make the, a calculated risk. Because again, I was a you know I was new to this big city and, and mm -hmm. wanted was kind of learning the how to live in a city. I was from Idaho, <laughs> you know. Well, one thing uh, that to me anyway, when I was saying at the very beginning to give people permission to explore and to dabble and to look around and take some courses and really delve into themselves, because I listened to you just a little while ago, Nathan, and you said uh, that back at college they were you know, really touting and feeling so wonderful for people to be at Paramount. And here, this person, they just made it and, and they don't even know how to help anybody there. That's what I feel the sorriest about is that there's no help given to us as we're going through the what should I be when I grow up. And, and even though we get degrees, now I happen to have my degree in teaching and so I'm still teaching. I just do it on a podcast now. I got lucky to fall into something. I certainly didn't start out saying I was going to be a teacher. Uh, I was going to be a really good secretary. <laughs> I was shooting high. I was going for the top. But, you know, just like you, 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 I know people that went out with their teaching degrees. And guess what? They didn't like children. And so they're stuck mm -hmm. now in the classroom. And the poor kid is stuck with the, that particular teacher also. But now tell us the rest of the story. How did you, where are you today? And I don't mean job-wise. I mean in your head-wise. How Has anything helped you along the way? Yeah, and it kind of, it's, I'm glad you asked because it's kind of related to what you were just saying about about a teacher that might not like children. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think when there's no when there's no self, when you when you don't ask yourself what you should do, um, when, when there's no when you don't apply yourself at all to that decision, when the job you choose or the field you go into, you know, you really didn't ask yourself mm -hmm. how you felt about it deeply. There will be conflict. I think I think that your a person's work can kind of complement them. It's not about not wanting to work or wanting to be comfortable, but it's about it's about kind of finding a symbiotic relationship with work where you you, you feel motivated, you feel competent, you feel mm -hmm. committed, and and maybe you could call it passion. But I don't necessarily think my what I'm doing for work is my passion now, but it's checking all those boxes for me. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm involved. I'm, um, it, it's a challenge both mentally and artistically, I would say I'm working in a wood shop or building cabinets. So there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's a puzzle there. Um, I'm using my hands and I've just learned in these last few years that it's important to ask yourself, you know, maybe you could say, ask your heart, you know, what the heart wants, right? What you're, what you're really drawn to versus what you, you've kind of been led to believe you're, you're drawn to, mm -hmm. um, or what program you've gone through, whether it's like a training program or school or something like that. Um, for example, a person might want to be a nurse because they, they're committed to the idea of helping people, but then they, they don't realize what it's like until they get there and they see, oh, I'm working at four in the morning. That's this right. isn't who I am, right? That's right. 
Mm-hmm. And so there was really, there was no question there of should, what kind of, what, what kind of lifestyle do I want? Um, what kind of lifestyle is best for me so that I will be the best employee or the most committed worker? I didn't like feeling like that on Avatar, that I was disconnected. I didn't like feeling that every day, that I didn't care, to be totally frank. I, I don't like feeling like I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then when you're trapped for 70 hours a week, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. This can't work. Yeah. This isn't good for me or the or the company. I remember when I was uh, running my executive recruiting firm, I would have people coming in every day saying, Patricia, I don't know what to be when I grow up. And they were now 40 and 50 and 60. So I wrote a book about it, really wanting to help people. And I realized at that time, even that wasn't helpful enough. You have to go inside yourself. You have to ask yourself those questions. And even when I wrote the last book, Discovering Your Core, I really wanted to get into questions. And so I think I put 50 of them in there called the why's questions, because the whole answer is in the why. Is why do you want to do that? Why why was it important? And so why, let's go back to you for a minute. Why is it important for you to use your hands and work in this shop where you're really building something? Why, why do you think that is? Well, I've always liked, well, drawing was my first language. Then I moved mm-hmm. on to painting and other mediums, things like that. Um, in college, it became, you know, some woodworking, but mainly like prop and set building, not really anything, anything um, fine or artistic in terms of woodwork, but, you know, building big flats and slapping paint on them and things like that. Um, it's just something that I'm learning is, is important as part of my everyday life. It's what I want to do. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's what I want to be doing with my time is learning how things are made, how to take something apart, put it back together. Um, I have such a wide range of interests mm-hmm. that I wanted to explore um, once I had the time after college, but I couldn't. You know, you, you could tell somebody to, to lean into every little interest they have, to, you know, something that uh, might be holding their attention, they should nurture. But to be working that much, I didn't even have the time to do that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, it's really, I'm so glad you were true to yourself and true to who you are. It doesn't mean, and I want everybody to really hear this, it does not mean that you have to stay in a job for 20 years, you know, just like Nathan said, you're going to make this one decision and you're going to stick with it for God's sake. You just stay in there. And that is how I was brought up. I mean, definitely our parents were like that. Your grandparents were like that. Their grandparents were like that. And now these new generations are saying, nope, not doing it that way. And in fact, even in the recruiting industry now, if people stay in a job and this is going to shock people, but if you stay in a job for more than three years, you kind of become a dinosaur because of technology moving so quickly. And so when people come in and they've been 20 years in a job, they don't even look at their resume. They just throw it away because I know that person's he's too old. That person hasn't learned anything. Isn't that amazing how much that has changed? It certainly wasn't that way when I first started with recruiting by any means. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, one of the things that I love to do at the end is really ask people what advice that you would give before I give the 10 golden nuggets I got out of our conversation today. uh, What, what advice would you give somebody like yourself? Here you are a millennial. You're just starting out. You're trying to figure out what the heck to do with your life. Uh, What advice would you give them? Well, I would say that anybody that, that feels like they're distracted by something feels like, like the analogy I said earlier, trying to read next to fireworks feel like mm-hmm. there's something going on, I would just say to l- nurture that, 
pivot towards it a little bit and lean into it. Maybe start volunteering somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe yep. just spend time in an environment that you might want to work at. You know, if, maybe if you're interested in, in libraries, for example, start to go to them and mm -hmm. meet librarians and meet people that work there and talk to people and try to get a feel for this so that it's not a dream, so that it becomes more and more concrete. Um, or if, if you feel some other kind of passion lighting up, like you really love cooking and you could cook all day long, make it a point to cook every day. I, I think it's important to treat those things like, like your job. Like you said earlier, you have to really take some action mm -hmm. um, to, to, to see it grow and change. Otherwise, if you just dream about it, the time just goes by. Um, and you never quite know how it feels. So just to sum it up, I would say anything that you are compelled to do, do. You know, I'm not saying make a rash decision at one point, but I'm just saying start to kind of broaden your vision and notice what other things are swimming in your head. <laughs> Nathan Mulroy, that's the best advice I have heard on any of the podcasts. And I'll tell you why. It's because that is not what people do. What you just said to do is exactly what they should go out and do, me included. I, I kind of did, did it wrong, to be honest with you, by putting that question up on the whiteboard and trying to figure out who I really was and what really lit me up. But yes, that's one way to do it. But you should try things. And then you know, for instance, what you said is so true about the cook and go ahead and cook for a while. Well, I was with a baker and she knew that that's what she wanted to do. She loved baking and giving it away to her friends. And they all would say, oh, my God, this is the best bread. This is the best cookie. This is. And she said, Patricia, that's what I really want. And I said, OK, then you, you don't have to open a bakery. Just do it out of your kitchen. But now you're going to charge for it. Well, guess what? She couldn't do it because the, the excitement and what lit her up was giving it away was always going mm. to a person and saying, here, here's my gift for you. And then they'd light up and she would light up. So no, that wasn't her income thing. That wasn't her cash cow. So Nathan Mulroy, thank you for that wonderful advice. Best advice I have heard on this podcast since I started it. So there, well, thank that's you. pretty cool. Now here are the 10 golden nuggets that I took away from you, Nathan. Number one, be courageous because you might miss out on something. I just think you were so courageous in your story and telling the things you did. Literally, I just, the whole time you were talking, I could feel myself backing off because I'm like, I can't, mm. oh, don't, oh, don't. You're going to play yeah. the piano and now you're going to go be a stand-up comedy. That was, <laughs> that was cool, but be courageous. Number two, if you don't try, you might regret it. And I loved that. Number three, if you feel compelled to do something, do it. You have to. I, I have felt compelled to write books that I didn't want to. I have felt compelled to, to start a podcast, and I just had to. They're, you know, What are you going to talk about? I don't know yet. <laughs> Number four, pay attention to nagging feelings. And I really like that because we all have them. We all know what they are. But pay attention, for heaven's sake. You're important. Number five, be aware of what is important to you. And that's the thing that's missing in our school system. It really is. It's missing in our colleges. It's just missing everywhere because people aren't saying to people, let me teach you how to be aware of you. And mm -hmm. that's what we do. And your gift is your niche. I'll talk about that in a second. But number six, your life doesn't unfold with just one decision. 
That was a really big one, Nathan, because it it did unfold like that years ago. I mean, when my dad took a job at the post office, he was very grateful to work at the post office for 50 years. And that just sounds awful to me. I, I He would always look at me and say, who are you? Why do you talk like that? Why do you think like that? That's because he wasn't an entrepreneur. Number seven, a person, boy, I was just scribbling these things. Oh, a person should find work that really complements them. And I think that can happen so easily, but you have to know yourself. Mm -hmm. I loved number eight, too. You said, if you can find a job that you really are motivated to go to, you're really competent in that, and you're committed to it, maybe the passion will show up there. Number mm -hmm. nine, ask yourself, what am I drawn to? Because, see, we're all drawn to different things. I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday. She couldn't wait to get back to her knitting. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I don't knit, so that, but that is her. Number I 10. I do. I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And yep. see, there again, Nathan, I'll bet if you love to knit and, you, and it's relaxing, it was for her. But if, you, if I said to you, okay, knit this sweater and let's go on eBay and sell it for $20, you probably would say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know. Would you? Yeah, I, I would have to, I wouldn't jump at the chance, right? Artists mm -hmm. can be kind of weird that way. Mm -hmm. Weird, yeah. I mean, like they can be a little territorial and, you know, I, so that's always well, probably a hard conversation. Yeah, that's the creative baker, you know, who just, she said, right. I, I, I can't sell that. Are you kidding? That, that's you as an artist also. Yes, and here's number 10, explore all of your interests. It's okay to explore all of your interests. And I love his advice. Take classes, go, if you love the library, for heaven's sake, go to the library, interview a librarian, find out if they really love what they're doing and why do they love what they're doing. It, it'll lead you closer to what it is that you're supposed to be doing in your life. I promise yeah. you that. Now, one of the things that uh, after I wrote, what should I be when I grow up? Now that I'm 40, 50, 60, I could tell it was helping a lot of people. And it doesn't matter if I'm in an airport and they see that on my bag or whatever. I have people all over me saying, oh, my God, I say that to myself every day. Right. It's because nobody has helped us. And so I also created a program and you heard it in my in my commercial just a little while ago about your gift is your niche. And I was so happy because Nathan was able to go through that course and I just wanted you to summarize, Nathan, how you felt after you went through your gift is your niche or, or how it helped you even come to a very, very simple decision. Well, I think just like you said, it was that it was that self-awareness training that yeah. I didn't know I needed. It got it, it got me down to to the, the core of myself um, and and ask the important questions like, for example, what is your ideal work day mm -hmm. or what it asked me about ideals. Right. And then from that point on, we could kind of tailor some tailor the, the work to me. And it felt it, it's not about not working. It's not about not, it's about wanting to apply yourself, but feeling mm -hmm. stuck where you are and feeling like you have potential for something, but you don't know how to get there, what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. It's not about wanting to just totally withdraw and do nothing. It's about wanting to do every, everything. Um, mm -hmm wanting to do um, whatever you're burning to do. And the program helped me find what that was because otherwise I was kind of looking at things superficially like, well, this looks like a fun job, you know, being mm -hmm. a welder or this mm -hmm. looks like a fun job being a mechanic. But mm -hmm. Patricia helped me to find what all these things have in common and what that says about me. 
what my personality or what my soul is kind of yearning for. Um, and what a better place to start looking for a job than indeed.com <laughs> yeah. or, or, or driving around looking like maybe this would be a cool place. Maybe this would be a cool mm -hmm. place because you won't know until you're there. And it might, it, it what it did was, was save me a lot of legwork. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean, it saved mm -hmm. me a lot of time in, in, working in fact it got me to cross off a lot a lot of potential work off my list um because i saw that what might have looked exciting from the outside wasn't really co compatible with you know my soul you could say or with yeah, yeah with, I'm glad. with what i really wanted you know nathan uh I, I, this just happened yesterday so uh but when i was on with this girl and and see she didn't she doesn't understand the that the, the key to success is self-awareness, that the key mm -hmm. to success is asking yourself the questions, that the key to success is you, is listening to you. So she said to me, now, I think there's something wrong with me. And I said, why? And she's because I've had 32 jobs in 20 years. And I said, hmm, and why is there something wrong with you? She said, I keep leaving them because they want me to work more, work more hours, come in when I shouldn't be there. And I said, wow, have you ever really thought about checking in with you and just figuring out what it is that you want. What are your ingredients in your job? That's what helped me. I got stuck also. I was running all over Phoenix trying to figure out what I wanted to be, and I couldn't figure it out. And so I finally said, well, I better sit down with myself and figure out what I want in a job, because if I don't, I'm going to go fill in what they want <laughs> to do with yeah. me in a job. Yes, exactly. Somebody yeah. else will do that Will do that work for you. Yes, Yes. And, and so that's, she got it yesterday. I could see that she got it. She had a mind shift about that. And she said, that's what I'm doing. In fact, she said, almost in the middle, she said, I think I'll go get a property management certificate. Now, can you imagine? She doesn't like property management, but if she's certified, she thought that she, that would make her happy. And it's just crazy. But by the time we ended anyway, she's going to teach theater to little children. She's going to teach children how to get on stage and not be frightened and be they can act it out or they can either go up and speak sometime and and not be nervous about standing in front of people well do you see how far away a certified property manager is and it's all because we found her ingredients and what it is right. that she needs mm -hmm. right think, that was the most that was the best part of the program for me because okay. what do those things have in common i don't know but she knows mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. something about both of those that attracted her but mm -hmm. but you know, both of those take a lot of time and, and commitment. You know, you don't want to work so, so much that you can't explore other things. So that, mm -hmm. that I was so overwhelmed with those decisions, like just to use her, her story, should I pursue this mm -hmm. certificate or should mm -hmm. I pursue like little theater companies? I mean, I'm, I'm at a crossroads here, but yep. finding what your ingredients are and things like your ideal work day will help you to make that choice. Yes, or help you to cross off potential work off your list to see, oh, this in mm -hmm. fact just looks pretty from the outside, but this isn't for me. Mm -hmm, exactly. You know, this is the longest uh, podcast that we've ever had and probably the most important because what I really wanted the listener to take away from this today is it's all about you. It's all about asking yourself the right questions. It's asking, why do you want it to be that way? It's just delving in and drilling down on you and finding your ingredients and finding what is what is important to you. And like Nathan said, 
And one of his is, what are you drawn to? And why are you drawn to that? Start dissecting that and you're going to find out a lot more about yourself. Does it take time? Yes. Does it take effort? Yes. And you owe that to yourself. You're here for a long time. Nathan's a millennial, for heaven's sake. Millennials are 25 to 40 years old now. And that's when they started coming into my office saying, what should I be when I grow up, Patricia? I'm 42 now. I'm 44. I'm, you know, it was really sad to see. So if I can help in any way, I love the fact that I have put together these courses that can help people. And Nathan, I'm so proud to know you. I'm so proud to, to have worked with you as long as I have. And I'm really proud of my favorite book cover of all times. Well, I, he's done all of them, but my favorite one is the last one. And he designed discovering your core. And I asked him, could you draw an apple core for me? And it looks like something that's done by Rock. What's his name? Rockwell. Is that his name? Um, the artist. Uh, Rockwell. Uh, or do, do you mean like like Rembrandt? Well, Rembrandt is great. But this one, when I saw the apple, I remember Norman Rockwell drawing in the Sunday papers. And he drew everything that I loved. Everything he drew, I thought I, I loved. So I'm going to call you the Rembrandt Rockwell. Mm. That's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> You're both. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's my favorite. 21st century walk Rockwell. <laughs> what a compliment. Uh-huh. That's a compliment. <laughs> so until we yes. meet oh, again, yeah. everybody, it's uh, Patricia Noel Drain and Nathan Mulroy signing off. And I'll see you next time on When Passion Meets Profit. I do it every week. Until we meet again. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it er earlier in the episode. But finally, I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now, I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share a hundred tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? Think about it. Because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called when passion meets profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.